One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, where the podcast that generates biography using music. We extract our guests' personalities and memories using music's power to connect us to our pasts. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for listening. My guest this episode is Angela Page. She's front woman for the punk post-punk band The Young Dead, the founder of the feminist arts collective Love Your Rebellion, which works to empower marginalized populations through social education, community service, and arts diversity. Angela is also the marketing and studio manager for the Sydney and Burn Davis Arts Center in downtown Fort Myers. Hey there, Angela. How's it going? Great. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. So um, uh, the first question is always, what is the musical background of your childhood? And, and being a musician and a person who lives and breathes it, so where did this all start for you? Well, that's a great question for me because I actually come from a musical family. Um, the way that my parents met is that my dad was my mom's vocal instructor, and they both met in New York after immigrating to the United States from Italy with their families after World War II. And basically, when they were in their 20s, they met because my mom needed vocal lessons. My dad ran a recording studio in New York City near Carnegie Hall. And so my mom took voice lessons from him, and she fell in love. (laughs) And so my family was very musical growing up. My dad always played the piano even after the studio closed and he moved to Florida with my mom. Um, we always had musical holidays. My dad, when he owned a pizza place, he wrote his own jingle for the (laughs) commercial. Um, so I, I very much come from a musical family and they were a huge impact on me, obviously, because now I'm a musician. What was the music, uh, coming out of the radio or, you know, being played on turntable, you know, what was being played around the house, you know, from the culture? Various different things. I mean, stuff that you can expect from a boomer generation, because my parents did grow up in the sixties and seventies in New York. So the Beatles, the Eagles, stuff like this, but also um, a lot of Italian music. There's this Italian festival every year called Serenmo, and it's still going on to this day. Um, and they choose the top performer, and that person gets you know prizes, etc. But they always make an album every year from the festival. So like when we were driving to Disney World or whatever, we always had uh, Serenmo tapes playing in the car. So lots of Italian music from you know every year of the Sedemo Festival, always playing. What was the first music that you owned that you chose to become, you know, to make it yours or it was gifted to you or whatever? Um, probably either a Nirvana album or Fiona Apple. Those were probably the, the two. Um, so I think maybe in like 95 because I was too young, um, kind of missed the, the 90s generation by a few years. But um, when I was probably 11 or 12, I got a Nirvana CD uh, that was gifted to me. I knew the band way before that and was a fan, but I was not allowed to own it myself until I was in middle school. <laughs> it was just too uh, too grown up for you? Yeah, pretty much. My parents were like, this guy's yelling. <laughs> Do you remember the first uh, music that moved you that you remember thinking, wow, there's something more to this music stuff than just, uh, you know, pretty sounds? So my mother used to sing to me all the time, and probably the most impactful music I ever heard was my mother singing to me, which I know sounds maybe silly or strange or I don't know what, but um, 
maybe mushy from such a punk rock girl, but definitely my mom's voice um, still to this day moves me. Um, uh, do you, did you ever make mixtapes? Sounds like you probably did, you know, now that you're like running a studio and in a band and all that. Yeah. So do you remember your first mixtape? Um, or to, to whom you were making it for, maybe? Honestly, my first mixtape was probably for me. Right. Because me first. And, uh, um, but I do remember taping things off the radio, having your like double deck cassette tape player and, mm-hmm. you know, tape, waiting for that song to come on, requesting it, waiting for the song to come on and, you know, doing a, a mixtape and maybe copying them for your friends. Uh-huh. I used to do this thing um, in the late 90s where I'd get on forums, like early AOL stuff mm-hmm. for the Smashing Pumpkins and Hole. And I'd trade mixtapes, bootleg mixtapes of their live shows Mm -hmm. with fans. So that's one of my earliest memories. Were you ever on a tape tree? Yeah, like where people – Like where one person mails it, then you make three copies and And mail it. And you mail them out. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like your own version of that CD CD club or whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was into a band that was in Canada and we would get the newsletter and then you'd sign up and then you would get a bootleg tape mailed to you and you'd have to, you know – do your part. It's kind of like Amway for independent music. <laughs> Basically, mine was like through AOL forums, the earliest version of like, you know, of some type of social interaction between people just posting links and addresses and just, you know, it was just so the most incredible thing to be in that sort of like cusp of the internet revolution meets cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, uh, when were you in a – what was your first band? You're in a band now. Well, yes. well, that can't be your first. No. So where did you start? Um, that's kind of hard to pinpoint. I, I've always been a performer. But I guess my first real band that where I like played live and stuff was in high school. So I was probably about 14 or 15 years old. That was my – I don't remember the name of the band even because I've had so many since then. But um, it was girls. It was me and two other girls and a drummer. And that that actually plays a part into my songs today. So I'm going to hold on to that story. OK. OK. How many bands have you been in if you had to guess? Uh, probably close to 10. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Because like, you know – and then these are only the ones that like actually practice. That's not – that's discounting the ones where you go, yeah, 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 we're totally going to play. Yeah. And then you play for one yeah. time maybe. You come up with a band name and then yeah. and then don't do anything right. with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So probably about 10. Okay. Well, let's get to the music then. What is uh, the first track that you've picked out for us and sort of why? And if you want to hold the story till the after, you can. If you want to – you know, you choose how you want to set it up. All right. I think I'll set up each song. Okay. Uh, my, might be kind of important, I think, to hear the stories. But um, so the first song is by a band called Rique e Poveri, uh, which means rich and poor. Um, they are Seremo performers, and the song is called Piccolo Amore, which basically means my little love. Um, so this is a song, as I said, with the Seremo tapes that I listened to with my parents. This song is something that I remember very vividly. Um, even though I don't know all the words to it anymore, I know the melody by heart. Like I could sing the melody, no problem. There is a male and a female voice in it. And the reason it stands out from all the other Serenmo songs that I remember from my childhood is because in the car, my mom and my dad would do these vocal parts, obviously. Um, and of course, you know, we would sing along as a family. So as I mentioned, you know, we are a musical family. It was always really important to us to participate in music together. My dad was a big proponent of all of us taking piano lessons. So I actually took piano lessons for like seven years, I want to say, when I was real young, up until I was like 13. And my brother did too. We took vocal lessons. So music was a huge part of the family. And this is a song that we all sang together. 
All right, uh, give us the name one more time. The song uh, is I don't called. Say it. It's okay. The song is called Piccolo Amore. All right, this is Angela Page's first song on this episode of Three Song Stories. Sounds like you guys probably had some fun road trips. We definitely did. There was lots of sing-alongs. <laughs> did your uh, do your folks speak Italian? Oh yes, for sure. Around um, the house too. Most definitely, it's still. We're definitely a, um, an immigrant family. Um, culturally, in the house, we're Italian. Uh, when was the last time you had listened to that song prior to preparing for this uh, show? Honestly, probably when I was a little girl. Wow. So, like, so this is – there's a long arc. Yeah. I, I'm going to be totally candid and say like when I downloaded it and listened to it, I actually cried because it was so – I was just like like brain explosion of memories, good memories of family singing and the piano and just like – I don't know. Just the best of my family. You know what I mean? Maybe a um – Punk post-punk cover? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is that when I listened to it just now on the headphones, I really didn't realize that these big grand guitars in the chorus and um, the sequencing, which the 80s, you know, that's probably one of the earliest sequencing uh, songs that you can kind of find. It's like kind of wild. I was like, wow, that's that's a pretty well-advanced piece of recording for that time period. Of course, I think of that. So well, of course you do. Um, so, um, what was the song that almost made it but didn't? Um, another song. Um, this another Sedimo song that has my name. It, it's literally just called Angela, and my dad used to sing it to me all the time. Angela, just this, you know, very like sort of loungy. Uh, but I couldn't find that one, and then I found this one, and I was like. This has got to be it because I can recall the chorus. Like I could say, I can sing the words to the chorus, no problem. So, so that song just puts you back in that place. Almost definitely, it's like I'm in the back seat of like my parents' car when I'm eight or seven or whatever. <laughs> Do you have a favorite band? Is that possible to say? I mean, some people are like Bam, and some people are like ah, I've got twenty favorite bands. Yeah, I have, do have a lot of favorite bands, but I, I guess I, I will still go with Nirvana. Like I. The things that stick with me are the things from my youth for the most part. When I think of favorites, I think of longevity, not necessarily what's hot right now or what's my favorite thing to listen to right this second. Um, so while I may not listen to that band every day, they have a trem- have had a tremendous influence on me over time. So, um, As a person who makes music, how much time do you spend listening, trying to find new music? A lot. Um, I do my best to basically word of mouth, like my guitar player, Colin, has just the best music brain ever and I can pretty much just hey what are you listening to and he'll tell me some stuff and that's how I get a lot of my my music is by asking around or people that I know in the industry or whatever seeing what they're working on who they've been working with um, and also doing my own digging um, finding stuff on Spotify like a normal person would <laughs> yeah um, uh, uh, do you have any like recently discovered bands that people may never have heard of that you would want to give a shout out to? Yes. Okay. So there is a band from the UK called Milk Teeth and they're real young and they have like maybe four or five EPs out. They just did their first – or they're maybe still on their first American tour and I absolutely love them. They are the greatest like merge of 90s throwback and, and modern uh, rock that I have heard in a long time. And their sound is great. Their recordings are great. And they have a female lead vocalist. So they obviously – I obviously have a bias there. So Milk Teeth. Milk Teeth. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a favorite concert experience that you can recount? 
So I, I have a favorite concert venue I can recount. Okay. When I was a teenager, there was this venue in Fort Lauderdale called the Sunrise Musical Theater. And it was probably like a 5,000-seater or something. So like a lot of mid-sized bands used to come through. So the outside amphitheater? No, it was no. inside. And eventually – Oh, um, I know what you're talking Eventually about. some Jehovah's Witness boss bought it and it turned into a church or something. But they used to have concerts there, like mid-sized bands. So in the – Late 90s, it was bands like the Deftones and Incubus, uh, Weezer, um, A Perfect Circle. So these huge names now. But like, for example, when I saw um, the Deftones, I saw them with Incubus and Taproot. And my friend had this van that we would get musicians to sign the inside of it because it was that old like 80s felt. Come into our van. Yeah, right. (laughs) Basically like hang out with us. Um, It was like a way for us to lure them. (laughs) But they would sign the van. We would hang out and like wait, you know, by the tour buses and stuff like that. So when I was like 14, I met um, I met Chino from the Deftones and I met the guitar player from the Deftones and I met all of Incubus and I met this band Taproot. So and I, I waved to Weezer from five feet away one time. Um, I saw the first lineup of A Perfect Circle uh, with the guitar player from Failure. That was a big one for me. So like. Probably all the ones from when I was a teenager are the biggest because they were so important to me, like looking at the stage and being like, oh, I want to do that. You know, this is something that I love so much and actually getting to meet all those people like even way before they were famous, like before right. Make Yourself and before White Pony and all of those albums. Did you live over there? Did you live here? Where were you living at the time? I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So I, I didn't make it to Fort Myers until like five or six years ago. But gotcha. yeah, I lived all around Florida. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move on to your second song. What do you have for us? So my second song is uh, from the Smashing Pumpkins. It's called Mouths of Babes. This is a B-side that most people won't know. Um, But the reason I chose this song is because when I was 15, one of my first bands covered this song and we played it at a talent show. So interestingly enough, the two girls whom I played with ended up doing great things on their own. One of them, Susan, went on to found Mod Cloth, which is one of the biggest clothiers, you know. Um, and then the other one became a DJ in New York, and she goes by the name Playsuit, and she plays at um, a really great electronic club up there. So me and these three girls found a – two girls, excuse me, found a drummer, and uh, we played Mouths of Babes. And this is probably one of the first songs – I ever performed in front of a large audience because high school auditoriums were like 500 people or something. So we were like on stage and I sang this Smashing Pumpkin song. Um, so like every time I think about it, I think about me and Susan and Khadija, who are the two girls playing this song together in high school, um, loving the Smashing Pumpkins at that age, of course, um, and just like really enjoying being on stage together and playing the song. It was really important to me to have done it in the first place because once you get over that hump, you feel like, well, I did it, so now I can continue to do it. This shouldn't be a problem. So now I think hear the song and I think, wow, first thing I ever like sang in front of a band, you know, front, first fronted song. So, How did you feel after that performance in terms of you know, not the rush that you had because you did it, but did you guys, you know, kill it or did you, you know, it was first, first time. I think we did pretty good. Um, uh, we had, we practiced a lot and actually the drummer that we um, played with was really, really good and uh, they were also great musicians, Susan and Khadija. I just think that for our age, we did pretty well. 
Cool. All right, well, let's hear it now. This is uh, Mouths of Babes by Smashing Pumpkins. You're listening to Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. Uh, that was uh, Mouths of Babes by Smashing Pumpkins. It's my guest today, Angela Page's second song choice here on Three Song Stories. So how was that received by the audience? Did they know you guys were rockers, or was this like a coming out? Oh, no, they knew. Um, we were basically like goth kids um, in, in that era, uh, and... Susan and Khadija wore Smashing Pumpkins shirts like every single day probably. Um, and so they knew that when we got on stage, we were going to do something fun and heavy. We actually had to even record that and give it to the teachers to make sure there oh, wasn't – Oh, like the vetting process. Yeah, to make sure there wasn't cursing or you know we weren't saying anything derogatory or whatever. Um, and so – but it still came out pretty pretty good I think um, – I'm probably just biased looking in retrospect, but so you recorded it for the teachers. Any chance yeah. that recording's floating around somewhere? You know, I don't know. Um, the drummer who played with us ended up hating us after a while, uh, so, so he burned so, it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but we, I do remember that we recorded it to a cassette tape, so that should give you like a feel for right. the era. So you were how old at the time? Fifteen. Fifteen. How yeah. would fifteen-year-old you uh, uh, think about? your current you and the bands you've been in and the you know the, the work you're doing and the life you're living. So I actually love that you asked me that question because my motto is to make my 15-year-old self proud of me. Like that's literally how I live my life. Like if Angela at 15 met me now, would she be like, "Damn, you're killing it." I have a very similar I've never quite put it into words, but I have a very similar mentality. Yeah, and to be honest, I think she'd be pretty stoked. Like, <laughs> <Me> I, I'm <laughs> cool. I mean, doesn't that feel good? Like, when you want your young self to be like, I'm so glad I lived a life, you know, yeah. and here I am. So you make music, uh, you record music that other people make. Do you ever give thought to this power of music that we're tapping into for this show with your music or the music that you're helping to create. You know, you're you're setting this out there into the world and any one of them has a chance to be that thing that forms a bond with somebody who 20 years from now it's going to pop in their head, you know? I think that music is probably one of the most powerful forces on the planet. It can move people to great lengths um, and it would be incredibly flattering if that one day happened to me. And I do know that people are able to connect memories very deeply to music. It's one of the most evocative um, things in terms of like your senses mm -hmm. and memory. I think it's like smell and sound. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just like, puts you right back in that spot, transports you right back to wherever you were. Yeah, and, it's like time travel. Yeah. And in a way, the music you listen to kind of forms the person that you are. A lot of people identify characteristics about themselves or their identity with the music that they listen to yeah. and the music that they grew up with. And I mean, when you think about the cultural impact, like I'm going back to my initial exposure to music, which was mostly Italian songs, because even the music that my dad recorded for people in his day was Italian or international music. And he was an Italian performer. So even that is like cataloging my cultural identity in some mm -hmm. way. Um, other people wouldn't have the same songs as me because they didn't have the same experiences. And I think that speaks volumes. Um, are you listening to anything right now that you think would maybe wind up on a list like this someday? Um, probably. Um, there is a act right now that I think is going to make it into my all time, which is Waxahachie. 
Um, she started out as a solo singer-songwriter and she grew into a band. And I actually traveled all the way to Pensacola in like the last couple of years to see her. And the trip back was a drive down like the Florida coast and I did all rural roads mm -hmm. and listened to her records or her music as it were the entire way. So I feel like if I made this again in 10, 20 years, maybe that would make it on the list. And it's what, Waxahachie? Waxahachie. Yeah, she's from – the band is from Philadelphia. OK. Well, then uh, let's move on to your last song. Awesome. So my last song is a Joni Mitchell song called All I Want. This is going to be the most sappy thing that you will ever hear from a hardcore girl like me. And uh, it's really important to me to bring it up. So my partner of 10 years, Christian DeLay, who is also the bass player in The Young Dead, um, I met him in 2008. And um, this song actually is like the moment that I pretty much was like, this is the dude. Like there is no other dude. This is going to be the dude for it forever as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it's because – so this is kind of a funny story. <laughs> um, Christian was my student. I used to teach college way back when and uh, I know I'm kind of young for that. But I was a TA basically at an arts college that so taught programming. Pink hair at the time? Um, no, I had brown hair at the time. <laughs> but you guys might know the school. It's called Full Sail. And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a, um, a programmer there, game development department, and I taught um, as a TA for the creative writing for game development and public speaking. And he was my student, and I had a crush on him, and then he left my class, and I was like, yo, what's up? Because um, I was like 23, you know? That happens. So um, I was taking him home late one night, uh, maybe like two or three months after we started seeing each other, because we couldn't like show up. To full sail together because mm -hmm. he was still a student. Yeah, kind of bad form. Right. So um, I was taking him home really late one night and I love to sing in the car. That's like my A number one place to sing. I wonder where that came from. Yeah, the acoustics, <laughs> obviously. And and my parents. Like, right. So I just, you just put two and two together for me. Wow. I can't even believe that. But anyway, so um, – you know, I love to sing in the car. It's my, my number one place. It does have great acoustics, too. And um, I love to take on new vocal challenges. And if anyone knows anything about Joni Mitchell, if you're trying to sing a Joni Mitchell song, you're in for some challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was continuously practicing, practicing, practicing this song. And this one night, I feel like I really nailed it. And we were driving home. I was driving him home in my car. And he was like, this is so sappy. He was playing with my hair and like, you know, caressing my arm and whatever as I was singing this song, which is all about to a woman who's saying, you know, all I want is for us to be partners, for us to be equals, for us to help each other grow. And I was just like, this is the dude. That's it. He, he was the one. So this is the Johnny Mitchell song, All I Want. All right. That's, uh, the, then this is uh, Angela Page's last song on Three Song Stories, uh, Joni Mitchell's All I Want. That was sweet. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm going to lose so much street cred. What is this? <laughs> uh, so, did you ever knit him a sweater? 
Um, <laughs> I do knit, actually, but not a sweater. I've knitted him a scarf before. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, do you guys listen to much Joni Mitchell, like, around the house? I mean, is that... Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, she, um, she's one of my all-time favorite uh, compo- music writers, vocalists, guitar players of all time. So, yeah, he loves her, too. So And so this is definitely not something you had to dig from deep in the past. This is still kind of part no. of your contemporary musical consumption. I would say she's in yearly rotation. She probably makes it onto, like, my MP3 player once a year. Year and and I keep it on for a while. I have her records. I actually have vinyls. Well, that's I what I was just going to ask. It seems like you know the vinyls made a big resurgence. You seem like you probably are in that world. How big is your vinyl collection? I'm pretty big. I, I probably have a couple hundred vinyl records. Um, I you actually got like a rock and stereo hooked up to it, or is not it a giant one. I actually have one of those like uh, multifunction. Old. Yeah, because it also has a cassette deck in it, right. and you know for I also collect cassettes. And I started collecting vinyls actually way before the resurgence. I bought so many Beatles albums for super low costs and on eBay, you know, like I have like the white album with the original poster, like really great stuff. Uh, Do you have any songs? And this is not a question I'd asked anybody, but my, uh, my previous recording session today with, with another guest um, brought up songs that he tries to avoid. Do you have any songs that like, you know, if they come on, you're definitely turning it not just because you don't like it, but because there's something about About it. it. Yeah. Um, so basically, gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but anything from the band Tool. I had a boyfriend, like one of my first boyfriends, who was just an absolute trash pile. And <laughs> and so um, – and he loved Tool and would put it on a lot of times when we were going to be romantic. And Tool is not a romantic band in my opinion. Um, Wrong wavelength. So, yeah, right. And uh, also one time – that one time I went to see A Perfect Circle – um, we were all waiting backstage, you know, for the bands and the rest of the band came out and Maynard, the singer who is from A Perfect Circle and Tool, took a cab like 50 feet from the tour bus to the backstage door so he wouldn't have to greet the fans. So like all those things together, I'm just like, turn, change station. Yeah. So. So uh, you're in a band. Uh, what's it called again? The Young Dead. Tell us where you guys play. Just um, so I uh, – because sure. I, I, you know, I want to get that in here. Great. Uh, we play at Howell most frequently, mm-hmm. which is a, a local venue. Um, we'll play at Rackham's. We play at Beach Records. We play uh, Downtown Music Walk every now and then if they'll let us because we're very, very loud. Um, so we play all around town and hopefully this year we're, we're going to start doing some out-of-town shows. We played in St. Petersburg too and Miami as well. Do you guys do uh, originals and covers, all originals? What's your lineup like? I would say like 95% originals. Mm-hmm. So we might drop a little cover in, but it has to be pertinent. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I saw you one night at the Sydney Burn Davis Art Center during the film festival and you were singing like cranberry covers or something. Am I mistaken? Yeah, that was um, just a little thing that I did by myself with my friend Drew, who's also a guitar player. Um, and I did an, an arrangement of covers and originals. So I didn't do any cranberries covers. I just think people assume that because they kind of sound like her sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I did. I, I was in the booth, so I wasn't okay. really paying total okay. attention. But. I did like a Smith's cover. Um, I did. I did a Nirvana cover. I did Heart Shape Box. I did. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah, and so, and then I did some originals too. So, and and real quick, just tell us um, the recording studio that you guys got there at Sydney and Burn. How's that going so far? Fantastic. So Six Fingers Studios is the name, and uh, it is three soundproof rooms, and it's great for live multi-tracking as well as podcasts, voiceovers, um, hip hop recordings, everything you could possibly want. And you guys are getting bands in. Yeah, um, we actually just started a new 
session called Southwest Florida Sessions. Um, they're videos that are going to come out biweekly, um, new band every month. And we just put the first one out from Miami's Problem Kids. Um, and so the next video is coming out next week. Yeah, next Friday. Uh, so look out for those. That must be really exciting to have access to like a bona fide studio with soundproof and, you know, all the things that you really need to have with multi-track capabilities. That must just be for you, like kind of like, you know, having a toy. Like a can... dream come true. Yeah, it's basically yeah. like I go into a recording studio for work every day. Like, yeah. what is that? That's magic. I know. I'm I'm sure you feel that you're it's just as giddy as me. Yeah. No, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, the rooms are really special. Most people go into a recording studio and they'll see one big live room that has a wood floor and then one large engineer room with a wood floor and ours are these three isolated booths you know um and they are completely dead they don't touch any of the walls or the floors so everything stays inside this these rooms people see them and they don't completely 100 percent get i think what you can do with them which is why we did the open house recently with kyle ann who's another local musician and um People got a chance to see like what can actually be done, and, and you you would be amazed at the pristine sound that you get out of these rooms, even when there's stuff going on outside or downstairs or whatever. So it's exciting for me because uh, back when Jim first took possession of the building, I did a story for for us here at the station where it was the day they had a construction crew that was knocking through the entrance. You know, like the entrance yeah. that was all bricked off right. because when it was a post office, the entrance was in the front, and we walked through, and there was you know leaks in the ceiling, and everything was just totally trashed and he was painting this picture of what it might be someday and now it's that. It I know. Great? It's completely amazing. I can't believe what he's managed to do in 10 years with the help obviously of his team and the donors. Yep. Any final thoughts? Well, I just want to say thank you again for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. I loved taking the trip down memory lane with you um, and it definitely gave me an excuse to think more about how more how much important music is to somebody's life. I want to thank my guest, Angela Page, is front woman for The Young Dead, founder of the feminist arts collective Love Your Rebellion, and marketing and studio manager for the Sydney and Byrne Davis Arts Center in downtown Fort Myers. Angela, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a real treat. Thank you so much, Mike. Three Song Stories is created in the studios of WGCU Public Radio in Fort Myers. The show is produced, directed, and co-created by Richard Chin Kui. Tara Callaghan and Anna Bejarano are our online content producers. Our executive producer is Chris Duffus. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For my parting tune this week, I'm going back to Philly in the winter of 2003. I was there with my girlfriend, Samantha, who wound up being my daughter's mother, as well as my ex-wife, who I'm happily and copacetically co-parenting with these days. We were on a big road trip with plans of moving to Colorado. We were in the Northeast visiting her folks who lived in New Jersey, right across from Philly. So one night we ventured into town to see a show at a club because one of her high school friends was in one of the bands. They weren't bad, but the last band that played that night blew our minds. They were called The Teeth, a four-piece rock band driven by two brothers. The lead singer had a daunting beard and played a mean bass guitar. The other brother played lead guitar and one-fingered keyboard. We bought their CD for $10, and while they're not together anymore, that album called Send My Regards to the Sunshine is on my top ten list of all-time favorite albums. This is When Someone Hits You by The Teeth. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. No, it's never Next time on Three Song Stories... I'm pretty sure I was wearing a, a suit coat with sneakers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, man, that's not his hair.
that's not that's not his hair. That maybe that's your hair. Because this guy looks like he's dressed up like B fifty twos, and he started singing. Well, you see a painted sign at the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs>